Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Florian, who's one of the founding partners of Astoria uh, VC. Uh, Florian, good morning. How are you? Hi, Alex. Uh, I'm very fine. And you? Yeah, I know. I'm great. I'm great. And um, I'm, I, I, I have this thing on the podcast where I'm, which is not very useful for an audio uh, audio format, but uh, obviously we do record video, uh, which people can check out on YouTube. But I'm always jealous of people that have got that really cleverly put together background, uh, which makes it look like you're in the office, but clearly not in the office. But um, where are you joining us from, Florian? You, you're Paris-based, is that right? Yeah, definitely. And currently uh, speaking from, from Paris. And by the way, uh, regarding the, the background, it's a way for us uh, to be uh, almost... Uh, uh, always at the same uh, office or uh, remote office, though we are traveling a lot across Europe. And I guess that we'll come back to that uh, very specific point of our own positioning. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, before uh, we, we dive into the podcast, it'd be really good for the people out there that don't know the business. Um, if you could explain, you know, family story or, or as much as you want to share in terms of what, what it is you guys focus on. Yeah, so, so basically Astoria VC, we've been on the ground for close to four years now. We are an investor. Uh, we are investing in InsureTech, obviously. Uh, I would say that we have a very strong focus on the tech side of InsureTech, but again, uh, we will deep dive later on on that very specific focus. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of geography, we are investing across Europe. Uh, based in Paris. My partner Jan is based in uh, Varso in Poland. So we are uh, not only covering uh, Western Europe, Southern Europe, Northern Europe and CE as well, because there is a lot happening across Europe as a whole. And in terms of maturity, we have, I believe, a very specific focus um, investing in seed startups that we define as, let's say, post-product. So it can be very early in the uh, startup journey. So long story short, investing in InsureTech in Europe at seed stage. Amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go off piste immediately because because it's something that I sort of, uh, want to sort of zero in on. I've been talking a lot about seed investment recently with, um, I mean, been at quite a few conferences and been talking about what, where we're at, we position and, you know, Finbro is positioned on seed series A, series B recruitment. Um, with seed companies, Obviously, you know, post-products, so there's a product there to view, but how do you evaluate a seed company? Because it's, it's so early. What, what are the key things you're looking for? What are the key things that you zero in on um, for Astoria? Yeah, that, that's obviously a, a challenge when you are investing so early. Uh, usually the answer from seed investor is to rely on the team, which is true. Uh, we first invest in people, uh, but I believe it's true whatever the stage of the company. And then... Uh, there are ways, let's say, to rationalize the assessment of the team, uh, because I believe it's really key to be able to defend and support the investment thesis. That's where being post-product help, because then you can have a look at the product itself. It says a lot about, first, the understanding of the, the, the founders on their market, the customer pain point, the value proposition that they are offering to their customer. So again, having a look at the product says a lot, again, we, we don't need, uh, let's say, a, a five-star product or at least a, a product which is perfect. Uh, by design, there are still uh, development to be made and, and we need to have a feeling of first, uh, it's addressing a real pain point. Second, uh, the founders got the pain point and perfectly understand their, their customer. And third, 
there, this is a way to assess their capacity to deliver. Because I, at the end, um, I really believe that beyond, beyond this, uh, we are investing in the team statement. What we are looking for is people that could turn IDs uh, product into a real business. So that's how we are assessing things a lot around the product, a lot, a lot around the team. And obviously, the basis is the market opportunity. And that's where I believe having this insurtech only focus is key because we are lucky enough to engage with a lot of insurance companies across Europe. Hence, we can very quickly assess whether the offer from the startup is relevant and resonate with something that we hear from the market itself or that we identify in the market itself. So again, the basis is the market opportunity on top of which we try to assess uh, the, uh, the team through the products, through the understanding of the customer and obviously through the capacity to deliver. Mm. Something that sort of jumped out at me there when you're talking is, is, is looking at the macroeconomic environment for uh, InsureTech and, and, and look, we've obviously seen some very sort of public um, bad investments, bad IPOs have not gone not gone as, as, as well as anyone had hoped. Do you think that kind of insure tech uh, or insurance specific focus now is more important than ever? Um, and, and potentially some of the people that got burnt along the way were people that were sort of investing maybe outside of their kind of core thesis. Yeah, I, I think that we are in an interesting moment that I usually qualify as uh, valuation compared to value moment. Uh, I, I believe that the, the market is wondering whether uh, it should assess insure tech player as tech player, as tech companies, or as insurance companies. Uh, the answer is, uh, is uh, still unclear based on multiple. By the way, the question is more global because a lot of uh, tech uh, shares have been struggling recently, exactly the same across industry because the, uh, the, the, the economy uh, is uh, struggling more generally so, or it's, it's facing a few challenges beyond just the insurtech segment. But I think that in the insurtech, same with fintech, uh, again, is that financial services, is that technology, uh, and obviously the multiples are not the same. So that's for the, uh, for the background. And I think that if we, let's say, um, so skyrocketing valuation in the past, I have in mind, uh, let's say, a chart from uh, Andersen Horowitz uh, showing multiples uh, across industries. And it was quite uh, impressive to see how fintech has uh, popped um, to up to 25x uh, the revenue. So it was definitely the highest multiple uh, across industry. So obviously, it was too high. Um, on the other hand, considering today that there is no value in this company is a bit exaggerated. So it seems that we are balancing from one extreme position, which, which was basically uh, these companies were uh, going to the roof um, and uh, to, to another extreme position, which is it's worth nothing. I think that the truth is obviously, and as always, in between. And, and we are currently finding the right balance between the valuation and the value of these companies. And, and I believe that the more technology these companies have, the more sustainable they are in the long term because there is still a lot to improve in insurance. I think that this is something that we try and that we start hearing in the insurance market. Insurance companies are, are, are let's say, saying, ah, look, we've always said that these insure tech players were bullshit. 
obviously and again the, the truth is uh, is a bit more balanced and, and again there is still room to apply technology to the insurance industry uh, we are now just assessing and when i say we it's rather the market is assessing what's the value of these tech offers and for these kind of insure tech which have the full stack status meaning that they are um, they have the insurance license uh, obviously the question is is tougher to answer uh, because again they, they could be valued at two uh, two things uh, again if they have technology um, they, they should uh, they should go through the uh, the downside uh, uh, in a more effective way than people and companies that don't have any uh, tech uh, asset. Mm. Has that, um, has your kind of outlook changed on what you, what you look to invest in? So you've said that you'll focus much more on the tech side and, um, and I'd, I'd probably reflect that in our own business. We, we, we've definitely worked with all ends of the insure tech. The insure tech in itself is a, a very broad definition of businesses, you know, all the way through to kind of a full stack insurer that's digital first is, is, is still a full stack insurer. And, and, and this is some of the problems with multiples. But, you know, in, in the sort of timeline of the near five years that the business is, um, you know, you guys have been investing, um, has that appetite changed? Have you, have you drifted more towards the tech piece away from the kind of digital MDA structures, those different things? Yeah, actually, we, we've been very consistent in our investment thesis. And since day one, we've been very focused on the tech side of InsureTech. The rationale behind is, is uh, twofold. The first one is that we strongly believe that there is room for innovation in insurance. And we strongly believe that uh, insurance, if they have a lot of strength, if they have a lot of competitive edge, starting with uh, generating a lot of money for the biggest player, uh, having a brand, uh, having millions of customers, that's their asset. Nevertheless, on the tech side, they are struggling. Um, it's, and it's an HR uh, thing, uh, you know it better than I do, but basically um, they, they struggle to attract tech people and they struggle to keep these tech people on board. So our initial uh, investment thesis was basically insurance needs technology, but struggle to make it happen internally. So let's invest in external technology that insurance company will embrace. That's mm -hmm. our positioning since day one. Um, so here it's a kind of strategic positioning. On uh, the, the, the second rationale uh, is a financial uh, rationale is that basically, if there is no technology in a company, then the, the value of the company itself is really tough to assess. And that's what we are seeing back to our previous discussion on, on public insurtech players. Mm -hmm. uh, if we are considering them at, as insurance company, the certain multiple applies. If they are tech companies, then the multiple is higher. Um, and, and for us, uh, again, when we invest in an insurtech uh, company, if by any means, let's say the founders doesn't find the market or doesn't manage to accelerate the sales as expected, at the end of the day, we still have an asset, an asset in the company. Hence, the company is not worth nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, if I take an example uh, on the French market, we had a, um, an M&A deal between two B2C insurtech players. Uh, I will not name them, but uh, it, it was quite interesting to see that the company that was acquired was acquired for a very tiny part of the, the money they, they, they raised since inception. So basically, it was quite interesting. Let's say light technology asset, 
poor growth compared to the market, hence very limited value. Uh, and that's what we are seeing right now on the market. If you are growing fast, then uh, your company is, is worth something and might have a very high valuation for B2C uh, companies, I mean. Um, if you are not growing anymore, then you might be worth uh, almost nothing. Mm. So, so that's where the tech asset helps, let's say, make sure that there is still something in the company and that when we invest, we, we, uh, we invest in an asset that potentially we can, we can sell to, to the market later on. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, uh, the big momentum of, of the insurtech market was always kind of centered around this generalized conversation about our insurance is broken. And there was a lot of kind of like quite aggressive marketing campaigns on insurance is broken. And, 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 and I think what's very clear in the public markets is, no, it's not. Insurance does insurance very, very well. But does it need help in distribution does it need help in the customer experience does it need help in claims does it need help in uh yeah all of these different areas that it could be more efficient in 100 and I, I think i think that's very clear now and and so i completely understand and 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 you know the the tech assets and that kind of thing that there's something left at the end of it um even if it it, it, it doesn't kind of fly as a business is is really interesting when you look at a lot of the kind of you know, digital MGAs and, and, and kind of full stack plays that have come in. Um, because I, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and said, it's really easy to grow your customer base if you're spending, you know, a dollar for 50 cents of revenue. Um, but that's not, that's not a profitable business. Um, and, and, and aside from the fact, if you're running a balance sheet play, then you, you're valuing that against, you know, net profit or gross written premium and, 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 and you're not valuing it against the, the kind of multiples that we're talking about. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really insightful. It's, it's good that you guys were in on that kind of as, as a thesis from day one. Um, but that's an acceptance that the insurance industry does a lot of things right. Um, uh, and that's not the kind of thesis that people have entered into the market on. Uh, so uh, I wanted to change tack slightly. I, I know I sort of mentioned about this and, and I hate to do this to you because it's kind of, you can only talk from your viewpoint of, of, of your thesis and your portfolio, but um, I don't know if you'd entertain me on this one. We've had a US-based uh, venture firm on, we've had a British-based venture firm on, and, and then the European market, and, and just wanted to see, is there a kind of difference in style? And I'm talking about the, the relationship between your investments and, and yourself and, and that process of, of raising money, um, and then sort of move on to sort of a difference in appetite as well and, and I think that's probably a bigger conversation so just like stylistically do you think there's a difference between the kind of style of investment and the way that you go about the investment yeah that, that's a very good uh, question that we had to assess day one because uh, again uh, we started being uh, an insure tech investor and we decided to be European by design I believe that the rationale behind is, is obvious um, we are investing in a vertical in terms of industry hence we need to be broad uh, in terms of let's say geography uh, the rationale behind uh, being focused on the European market is that it makes us uh, unique uh, because a lot of players, rather coming from, from the fintech space, investing in insurtech as well, usually have a global footprint. Uh, we've always worked, uh, Jan and myself, in the European market. Uh, that's where we have deep roots. And, and by the way, we've been, in, um, uh, uh, let's say, engaging with the European insurtech since. 
uh, since, uh, since inception. So, so that's an unfair advantage that we have compared to many other players. Uh, we, we were at, uh, uh, let's say, uh, innovation and investment position in the insurance industry before, um, and we were part of the first waves of, uh, of InsurTech across Europe. Maybe to make the difference between um, continental Europe and the UK, we consider the UK being part of our European footprint. Uh, but I think that there is a huge difference. That makes me happy, Florian. <laughs> we, we want to still be part of it. <laughs> and, and nevertheless, there is, a, um, I think, a difference be between Europe and the US. Um, the first one is uh, obviously the size of the market. Uh, if I take last year, it was a close to 2 billion euros that were invested in insurtech in Europe compared to a, a bit more in the US as usual. The VC scene is less structured in Europe than in the US, obviously, though um, trying to, 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 uh, to get, get bigger uh, and, and that's great to see more and more players in, in that space. And then in the public market as well, there are several uh, public insurtech companies in the US. We are still looking for the first one in Europe. So that makes a, a significant difference in terms of market structure. In terms of pure insurtech and across Europe, to, to come back to your question, um, I, I think that we are operating exactly the same way, uh, at least in our relationship with founders. Uh, again, we, we have one way to invest. We have one way to support our uh, portfolio companies. Uh, and that's what our portfolio companies are looking for when they open the door to Astoria VC. Um, it's not for our name, it's not for uh, ourselves as people, it's rather because uh, they, they believe that first we have a very deep understanding of the insurance industry, that we have a, a very good overview of the tech scene in insurance, and that we could be helpful beyond euros that we put on the table. Uh, and I really believe in, in this serpent is, is key because that's obviously what every uh, investor is saying we are delivering here. The rationale behind, again, is that we have deep roots in Europe. We are engaging a lot with insurance players across Europe. Hence, we can accelerate the sales process by qualifying leads for on behalf of our portfolio companies. And then we can generate one, two, three very qualified leads. Mm -hmm. um, the difference, uh, on the other hand, the difference uh, across markets in Europe is rather in terms of business lines. Uh, we were running this uh, analysis based on last year's uh, investment, and it was quite um, interesting to see that in France and Germany, you had basically all the business lines covered by a company that announced the deal. So it's a bit biased because it's based only on uh, fundraising announcement, though I think it's a good proxy of the market activity. So France and Germany had all the lines covered. PNC, obviously, but not only. Life as well, health commercial lines and uh, B2B uh, companies uh, as well. Uh, on the other hand, in the UK, you had no health company uh, that announced a deal last year. Exactly the same in rest of Europe, if I may say that, where there were no health company. Uh, if you take the UK, it was quite uh, uh, interesting, though not a surprise, to see that life insurance was uh, uh, very uh, strong, uh, stronger than uh, elsewhere in Europe. Same with commercial line. I think it's uh, related to Lloyd's and all the activity around uh, SMEs in, in the um, insurance uh, scene in the UK. So you see a few patterns 
So again, uh, I think that this is the major difference from one country to another one. Uh, it's rather how they are addressing the, uh, the insurance market in terms of business line. Then there are obviously differences between founders themselves, but I'm not sure there is a pattern um, in, in terms of geography. There is another pattern that we see, which is a pure financial play. Uh, basically, in the UK or Switzerland, the valuation uh, tend to be higher than in France, Germany, which are even higher than Spain and Italy, for instance, if I had to summarize. Um, and maybe another pattern that we see is that in Eastern Europe, we see a lot of tech uh, founders which are addressing the uh, insurance market. So it's a way, I think, um, or to, to create opportunities as well beyond the, the players that we usually know. The example that I usually share here is around Tractable that I believe everybody is aware of. This is basically a computer vision company uh, to um, smoothen and automate the uh, claim process in car insurance. Um, so they are based in the UK, operating worldwide. They are unicorn. Uh, so they are doing very great. But if you have a look at the European market, there are close to 15, one five players doing something similar. And what is interesting is that basically you have a tractable lag in almost every geography. So in France, Germany, Spain, uh, in Eastern Europe as well. So I think that this is a good example that even in local markets, uh, you can find opportunities um, either cheaper based on the market and in terms of valuation or in terms of tech background. Uh, because again, there are very exciting um, um, founders uh, almost everywhere in Europe. Mm. Does that, um, just bringing on to that point you made about Tractable, and I think it's a really good one, um, and I won't lie, I, I, I used to spend a lot of my time in my sort of uh, uh, early 20s, but I had a bit more energy and probably uh, a bit more bravery looking at things like TechCrunch, and I'd see an idea in America and go, that worked really well in the UK, or, and it's not here yet, and uh, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's a localizing it for a market and personalizing it for a market because you know that market. And, that, and I'm not saying these are copycat businesses, but, but also it's kind of interesting how successful that is. Um, but the environment we're in now, we're seeing a bit of restriction of capital going into the sort of earlier stage businesses. Do you think we'll see businesses like Attractable take advantage of that window and, and potentially raise for M&A activity and, and, and essentially buy some of those local players? Do you think we'll see some consolidation in, in the next kind of 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I, I think it's a, an enthusiastic moment in the market because uh, uh, obviously that's very challenging uh, for the market uh, because VC money is tightening a bit. Uh, but again, I think that if you have uh, a tech asset, if you have a strong growth, then you can still raise money. Uh, again, we were all uh, impressed by uh, Alan uh, round earlier this year. Uh, Alan, for those that don't know them, is a French uh, full-stack insurtech company doing health insurance. They raised 183 million euros at 2.7 billion euros valuation. Uh, the, the deal was announced in, in May 2022. So big rounds could still happen uh, if you are growing fast. They are now close to 300,000 um, end customers. Um, so that's, a, that's an example. So I, I believe that if you have a, a strong position, you can still raise money. If you have a good position, you can still raise money, though probably a lower round than what you could have expected last year at a lower valuation. But nevertheless, you can still raise money. On the other hand, I think that there are plenty of opportunities for startups that 
have an asset that maybe didn't find their market yet or are um, uh, starting accelerating their sales uh, journey but would need more money that they cannot find maybe on the market that's where there could be opportunities in terms of uh, of m a uh, especially for companies that are um, maybe at uh, higher valuation and at higher stage of maturity, which are looking for profitability. Uh, I know that uh, this is something that we uh, never discussed in InsurTech in a while, but uh, that's something that we will uh, come back and it makes sense. Uh, so that's great. Um, so towards profitability, I think that M&A would be uh, an opportunity. And if you think about a geographic scale, it could be an opportunity. If you are entering a market, you can either develop a team from scratch which requires capital. Again, if you don't manage to raise capital or if the offer in terms of value proposition is not enough from, from investor, then you can maybe think about acquiring a, a competitor uh, to, again, uh, accelerate your, your development. And, and earlier this year, we had this kind of move uh, from Luco, uh, which is a home insurance MGA in France or started as an MGA in France. Uh, they acquired uh, Koya, which is a German player, which was a full stack. Um, so that's a, that's a very good example. Luco was operating from France, mainly in France, uh, also in Spain, and now is operating as well in Germany. They have close to 300,000 end customers as well, uh, growing uh, quite, uh, quite fast. So I think it's an interesting move. Uh, it started already, and I expect uh, it to, to come a, a bit faster in the next weeks and next months. Again, if you cannot raise, maybe you should merge with another player. Uh, and, and for the later stage perspective, it could be attractive, uh, again, to accelerate the growth, um, especially if you consider the way to make the deal. Uh, obviously, you can acquire a company in cash, but you can also acquire a company uh, in share. That's mm -hmm. what happened with Luco and Koya. There, as far as we know uh, publicly, there, there, were no, uh, there was no cash involved in the deal. So. In an investment standpoint, it could make sense. In a scale standpoint, it could make sense. Uh, and and I, I think it, it's an opportunity for both more mature and younger startups. But back to the asset, you need to have something to deal uh, in this kind of uh, M&A opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you've got to have a card to play on the table, haven't you? Because um, yeah. otherwise, yeah, why, why, why do it? Um, yeah, there's so much to unpack there. I, I, want, I want to talk about portfolios um, uh, as, as a sort of general rule. Um, there's, this, there's this kind of conversation around having a balanced portfolio. Um, does that even come into play when you're going after insured tech? What, what, does, what does that mean to you? Or is it kind of a meaningless, yeah, is it sort of a meaningless phrase? Yeah. What, what, is it, what do you look for in terms of building the portfolio together? Do, do you try and balance it out or, or do you have things that trend-wise you want to have as many shots at that type of trend as possible okay thanks for raising the, the question because i think that we have a very specific way of uh, investing uh, we are thesis driven um, our thesis are coming from the scouting that we are doing basically and since inception we we developed our own automated scouting tool the rationale behind was to make sure that we could see every insurtech player across europe and that we could spot this player before anybody else Again, back to our seed focus, we want to be the first institutional investor on board. Hence, we need to spot startup before 
uh, they go mainstream before they raise a round, uh, before they make the headline. So that's what our automated scouting tool enables. Um, and based on that, based on that tool, uh, based on our background, again, we've been navigating in SureTech Europe since inception. Um, we are monitoring how things are going for startups. For instance, when we see the uh, Fifties uh, companies in the B two B space doing, uh, I don't know, uh, car insurance or pet insurance or whatever. Uh, we are able to assess the market opportunity based on all the other companies that we tracked since inception. Obviously, the downside is that they are, they, we have biased and sometimes we don't manage to invest because um, we, we have seen so many struggles in the market uh, that it's uh, challenging. Hence, by the way, the, the tech positioning, because that's where um, there were major success in insurtech compared to B2C, which have um, a, failure rate, a higher failure rate. Uh, it's also related to our size again as a seed investor um, investing in b2c companies requires a lot of money uh, not sure this is the best play for for us and for our investors so um, based on this data making sure that we see everything and before uh, everybody else we build thesis uh, because we spot trends uh, um, we strengthen our conviction uh, for instance we have invested in uh, weather parametric insurance uh, a while ago, we are investing a lot in what we call new risks, because mm -hmm. that's, that's what we are very excited about. And that's where I believe uh, the relationship between insurance, reinsurance companies and insurtech is the most uh, needed, because by design, there is no or almost no historical data. If you compare to car or home, where by design, insurance company have um, historical data, which is a competitive edge, so that they can basically assess the risk based on these historical data, um, having in mind all the claim data that they, that they own. This is not the case with what we call new risk, uh, weather insurance, cyber insurance, uh, more and more we see IT infrastructure, uh, done times uh, we have invested in that space as well through uh, RiskVolf in, in Switzerland, um, tech company, data company offering a SaaS solution to insurance and reinsurance company to enable them uh, carry that risk and cover that, that risk. Uh, we could apply this to the new way of working around the gig economy. We could apply this to uh, um, digital asset, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's, that's something that we uh, see on the market right now. And again, that's a, a strong thesis that we have, which is based on, on data that we see on the market, that trends that we try to, to anticipate. So that's how we try to, um, to structure our investment uh, process based on thesis and then on each thesis we try to find the best company um, and then we invest or we try to invest uh, yeah. in it because that's uh, always a, a challenge to convince founders that we are relevant and that we could be supportive again beyond euros that, that we invest so a lot of data uh, we design thesis and then we try to make sure that we can enter into the one what we consider the best player mm. It's, uh, it surprises me how uh, I think most pe most VCs with positions are slightly like that, but it, it always surprised me how um, and and something I was drawn to and wanted to have a conversation with you about is, is that I think I think I think there's much more kind of a casual relationship in, in that there may be some thesis, but there's less there appears to be much more uh, conscious proactivity on your part to say this is our thesis let's proactively go after it. Um, and I'm surprised how kind of almost like 
grazing, sieving for gold, some other strategies appear to be in that, that sort of we want to see as many possible uh, possible opportunities. Is that do you think that's a fair reflection that you're you're more proactive in that than than some other firms? Yeah, I think it's two different ways of uh, investing at the end. Um, the, the rationale behind is that, again, we are doing on insurtech. That's what we are saying to our investor. Basically, we are 100% on what matters to you uh, compared to other players which are considering insurtech as other vertical. Uh, if you take fintech, for instance, uh, insurtech is 10% of fintech in terms of investment. So if you are investing in fintech, by design, you are spending only 10% of your time on insurance-related topics. We mm -hmm. are spending 100% of our time on insurance-related topics. Uh, so if we are spending so much time uh, on insurance because we love insurance and we love technology applied to insurance, um, we need to deliver something based on that because uh, we, we don't really care spending time of, on that. So, so that's where we try to learn mm. from the market. That's where we try to build these uh, thesis and that's where we try to spot the most attractive uh, investor in each uh, space. And that's the way for, for us to be consistent again. Um, and, and by the way, in the uh, investment process, it's always a surprise for uh, the, the founders, but we are very quick to make our decision because by design, we don't spend a lot of time on the market opportunity because this work was done already and since inception. Obviously, alongside the, the, the life of the, uh, of the fund, we are developing new theses as much as we spot trends, we spot learnings uh, on the market. And, and by, the, by the way, we are currently raising Astoria VC2, so our second fund. Uh, so by design, we are investing in new thesis, we are developing new thesis um, in addition uh, to what we did with Astoria 1 and based on how the market is uh, evolving. But I, again, I think it's a um, competitive edge that we have to be so insurance focused that should be reflected in the way we invest, uh, in the way we support our portfolio companies. Uh, that's what we owe to our investor. And that's uh, how I believe we will manage to make uh, a high return for our investors. Mm. Talk to me about that support um, structure, because I always think that's really interesting. I think when, when, I, when I naively stumbled into this world, and, and I, I did stumble into it, I won't pretend it was that you know i've worked in insurance as a headhunter for 15 years and in the last three i was drawn to insure tech because i'm drawn to innovation i'm drawn to new things um uh, and then it was only then that i started to work look work more closely with the vc community um i think naively you kind of assume that oh it's just money it's just investment and, and then uh we, we we're very uh, very grateful to have adam from distributed ventures on and he went alex everyone's got money to give you it, it's what it's what the, your investor gives you outside of money that usually gets that commitment. So, you know, you you talked about being insurtech focus. What is it your kind of you can do for the most of the time? Is it distributions, introductions? Is it presumably it's a it's a it's a kind of a suite of things. But but is do you tailor that offering to the investment, or is it kind of you have a broad services outside of uh, just the investment? I, I think it's related to the maturity, the stage of maturity at which we invest. Uh, investing in seed, in seed stage 
it's not a matter of money. Or to be more specific, it's not only a matter of money. You can raise millions of euros. Obviously, you 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 can buy time, which is great because that's the uh, the, the most uh, let's say uh, a challenging asset uh, for any founder. Uh, so obviously, you can buy uh, time, but you cannot buy uh, reaching uh, the the product market fit, which is basically the challenge for any seed company. You can develop the best product if you uh, let's say don't market it the right way, if you don't understand the customer if you are not delivering the right way you will never build a business again that's what we want to do uh, build a sustainable business uh, starting with reaching the, the product market fit that's why we need the product to be available so that's why we say we invest post product um, because I, I believe that where we could be helpful to founders is uh, threefold the first one uh, is thanks to the visibility that we have on the market. Again, uh, here, there is no magic. As we are doing only InsureTech, we are very easily spotted. So anyone interested in InsureTech Europe, think, we are fortunate, think about um, Astoria VC. And so we are a kind of entry point for, for InsureTech uh, in Europe. We are very glad for that. And we are working every day. We are working a lot uh, to, to keep that, that positioning. Uh, but obviously, we can help our uh, portfolio company gain visibility on the market. We can help the, the, the pain point or the value proposition that our company is delivering. We, we can help make it more obvious uh, because there is a pattern among corporates is that the more they hear about a company, the more they hear about a pain point, the more they realize that actually that's a reality. So that's part of our job, I, I think, um, to make, to put topics on the table, to put our thesis on the table, to be challenged as well, to learn from insurance company themselves. Is that uh, something that we spotted on the market, but which doesn't resonate with their needs? Or is that a reality, a real problem that we can assess and that we should uh, um, tackle through our portfolio companies? So first, that, that, that's the first point. The second point is obviously accelerating the sales process. Uh, I think that this is really key. Um, selling technology to insurance is a nightmare. Uh, it takes, uh, what, 12, 15, 18, sometimes 24 months. So if we can help our company, portfolio company spot the right people, uh, the right, um, let's say, leads, qualified leads, it could save three, six, maybe nine months of sales process, reaching out to the decision maker, uh, making sure that the uh, insurance company or the reinsurance company uh, has money available for that topic, that the topic is on the, the roadmap, that they have people committed to that topic, and obviously having a look at their kind of track record. Uh, is this corporate used to be working with startup? If not, maybe it will happen, but uh, maybe it should not be the first lead that you qualified uh, on, on each market. And, and that's where we are helpful across Europe, because again, this kind of discussion that we have with insurance company that we hear from insurance company is uh, right and it's true in each local ecosystem. So whenever a company wants to scale outside of its domestic market, we can be helpful. And the, the third uh, point is obviously structuring the company itself. But here, I believe it's much more something that almost every fund is doing. So making sure that you track the right KPI, that you are structured for the next round, uh, helping them on the, uh, let's say, uh, the sales process, structuring the sales process, structuring the sales materials, structuring the team, etc. Again, the third part is rather something very uh, similar 
to any other player. But it, it's not the same job though at the seed stage and uh, at a later stage. So what we usually do is that we work closely with startup um, towards 1 million of annual revenues. And then uh, Series A funds are, are stronger than ourselves to go from one to 10 mm. and to make the, the next step uh, a success as well. Mm. Do you um, proactively like work with specific funds at the Series A stage? Do, 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 is, is that an important part of, 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 the, of the role as well, is, is working those relationships, those partnerships with the funds that take the next stage forward? Yeah, so, so that's where, again, uh, we are, I think, uh, identified as uh, an insurtech investor. So we are lucky to, to have regular discussion with later stage uh, investors. Whenever they have a look at uh, an insurtech company, uh, we have a discussion with them to, to share views rather on the market. Uh, because in terms of figures, again, that's uh, where they are stronger th th than we are. But in terms of pain points, in terms of market opportunity, etc., we share views. Um, I, I think that our relationship with fund is rather more structured at a seed stage uh, because we usually co-invest with uh, local players. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that this is the value proposition of Astoria VC, providing to the table to, to the table the insurance knowledge, partnering with the seed investors, which is used to uh, either SaaS investment uh, uh, or just seed investment uh, uh, in the world. And that's usually how we, we, we are investing uh, if I take uh, the latest uh, deal that we that we did in France, soon to be announced, uh, it was co-investment. Uh, co the lead investor, by the way, was a French VC, well-known in the market, uh, that would be very helpful in structuring the company. We are rather providing the insurance knowledge. Same in Spain, we, we announced uh, a deal in uh, Winalized. Uh, we invested in Vitense or Recover. Every time we co-invested, with um, uh, local players. Sometimes we invest before the founders raise a proper round. That's where we take a higher risk. But when we strongly believe in the team and the market opportunity and their capacity to deliver, we can uh, invest early. And then uh, our job is to try to gather around the table a, a non-insurance specific investor so that we are definitely complementary. Mm -hmm. We've had the Vitesse on the on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's great, it's great business. Um, uh, I'm really conscious of time, so I had so many questions to ask you. Uh, two things I wanted to ask you. Um, obviously, I need to ask you for your predictions of what's 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 exciting for the future. But before I jump to that, the reason I was aware of you guys is that you share a lot of information, like freely share it. You do a lot of research, which you share. Um, what what's the rationale behind that um why do you think it's important to do that because i think that puts me in mind of you being a very modern open straightforward that, that says a lot i think about the business which i really admire and like um but but but, but what's the rationale for 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 you guys in, do, in doing that yeah so so first uh what you see on social network is only the visible part of the iceberg because we are sharing way more with our investors by design. They have invested in ourselves, so we owe them uh, to be even more specific. But I, I think that sharing on social network is obviously gaining visibility, as I mentioned before, showing that we understand, I hope, what we are doing. Um, and again, it's, it's also an opportunity to promote trends in which we have invested. If you have a look at most of my posts on a regular basis, you will find topics that are related to a portfolio company. So again, uh, I'm not saying that I'm only sharing things related to our portfolio companies, but obviously part of the content that we are sharing is 
to promote the thesis, the value proposition, the technology that uh, is embraced and leveraged by our portfolio companies. Um, and so, that, so that's the first, re the first reason. The second reason is, again, we want to be the entry point for InsureTech Europe. If you think about InsureTech Europe, we want you to think about Astoria VC so that we make sure that we are speaking with everybody, uh, not only players that will uh, that are raising a seed round, which is uh, in our sweet spot, uh, but we are discussing, I mentioned, with later stage investors, with private equity firms, with uh, unicorns in the market. Obviously, we'll never invest in them. Nevertheless, we have this regular discussion with them. We learn a lot from, from them, and we want to have uh, this kind of relationship with all the market, uh, because again, I, I think this is the how we manage to make good investments, being able to engage with almost every insurtech company on the ground, so that we can again compare company, learn from best practices, learn trends, uh, avoid mistakes. Uh, also, so so it's definitely to learn a lot, and to learn a lot, we need to share our thoughts to be challenged as well. Uh, whenever we built a thesis, I remember that in uh, uh, 2018, uh, we released uh, uh, um, a paper on embedded insurance. It was not called embedded insurance back then, but it was indirect distribution. We were promoting indirect distribution. I remember engaging with uh, COMEX uh, saying, okay, what is a platform, etc. Uh, now, embedded insurance is everywhere. It's gaining momentum. It's a reality. We are four, four years later. But when we share this content publicly, it's because we, we have spot, we spotted then the trend that direct distribution costs a lot, that indirect distribution is a huge opportunity. Here is why. Uh, and we were challenged. And, and we learned a lot from the market. And by the way, we made a week of our investment in Spain a few weeks, months later. So that's a great example of how sharing things, um, collecting feedback, learning from the market is really key, again, be, uh, to, to build our investment thesis and make the, the best, I, I hope, the best investment we could, uh, we could do. So it's a win-win situation, uh, feeding the market, uh, and learning from feedback that we can receive. Yeah, no, I, I think it's crucial, but I just think it's really enlightening that you guys share so much. And um, but final thing, um, what's what's the kind of hot topic that you're excited about that you can share if, if, you, if you don't want to be a thesis uh, reveal? But what's what's particularly exciting for you in, in insure tech at the moment that you think is good? Yeah, I think that uh, again, uh, what I mentioned before around new risks, uh, that's something that we are very uh, bullish on. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities, a lot of new risks that we don't even know now, but that will pop out uh, where I believe um, insure tech will be required to gather data access adjacent data, leverage this data, make sense of this data and deliver this value to insurance or reinsurance companies that will then uh, develop the, the right insurance product based on, on this uh, tech-based uh, knowledge of the, of the risk. So that's something that we are definitely uh, pushy on, uh, for instance, on, on digital assets. I think that this is a topic that uh, um, is obvious on the other hand, in Europe specifically, there are only very few players uh, trying to tackle that opportunity. So that's something that we, we might see uh, in the future. Or that's an example of things that we are looking for right now, for instance. Um, the other thing, which is 
I think related to that uh, to that topic is around um, uh, the underwriting part of the value chain. Uh, so because again, I think that data is key. There are a lot of players which have significant data which might be helpful to insurance companies. On the other hand, usually insurance data have limited declarative data from their customers. Uh, so any company helping uh, insurance company better again, understand the risk, even for commoditized risk. Uh, if you take car or home insurance, the challenge is to make the onboarding process smoother, uh, to try to reduce the famous number of questions that are asked. Uh, maybe one day you just put your name and you have a quote uh, because there are so many data available online around yourself, or maybe reading your bank account, uh, you can get sense of who you are, what's your risk level or risk appetite, and then design something accordingly. So I think that there is a lot um, still to be addressed in that uh, part of the value chain. Uh, and that, that's where, again, if we are looking for tech applied to insurance, it, make, it makes a, a lot of sense uh, there. And maybe the third wave, which is rather um, not uh, an emerging trend, but something that will, I, I believe, become a reality is embedded insurance. We see more and more platforms uh, offering insurance. Uh, and I think it's revamping the insurance market as a whole because all of a sudden you have new players which have nothing to do with insurance or which had nothing to do with insurance all of a sudden they are eating part of the value chain which is basically distribution but sometimes it could move up to uh, the, the pricing sometimes de developing the product based on how they understand their customer needs uh, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden uh, the insurance or reinsurance is just a carrier mm -hmm. so still in the value chain but um, uh, keeping only a very tiny part of the value chain. So I think that um, it's growing, it's becoming a reality, and I believe it will have a huge impact of how the value chain is structured. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point on embedded and, and it's, it's changing the customer's relationship with the insurance company and, 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 and insurance products. So um, I'm excited to see what happens there. Uh, and I should be because we've had so many great, brilliant embedded insurance um, propositions on the podcast. But Florian, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, that was a, it was a great conversation. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for some time. I, I really love the stuff that you put out and, and I, I sort of keep a track of what story is doing. So really kind of you to spend some time with me and, and, and appreciate being a guest on the podcast. No, thanks a lot. Thanks you for uh, inviting me and uh, wish uh, all the uh, listener, let's say, uh, to engage around a great insurtech discussion in the future. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. <laughs>